ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, down? Hey, how we doing? Blank, I'm Branham. No Joe George today. No Joe George today. Instead, we have Brian McDonald in. Joe's out with his birthday. How old is Joe? 713-780-3776. What is Joe doing on his birthday? Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. We do have Brian McDonald with us, though. Blinkers, uh, I pulled up the app yesterday, the, the Twitter app. Mm, what time was it? Around 8, 830, somewhere around that. I can't remember. 8, 830. I had no idea they were announcing the Pro Bowl teams yesterday. No Me clue. Either. I didn't even know that there wasn't a Pro Bowl game anymore. Shows you how much attention I, play, I pay to the Pro is Bowl. Is this the flag football game? Uh, do they play flag football? I don't know the order of events. They play flag Pro football, but does that supplement the fact that they're not playing padded football? I anymore? think it does. Okay. Yeah, I really, I, I think that it does. So you still have your, I guess that's what the rosters they announced for. These are the rosters for who's going to play this flag football game in Orlando in between. They still do it. In, they do it after the year. No, they do it between. They do it between the conference the championships between, yeah. and the Super Bowl. Yeah. So this is the rosters that they announced yesterday. AFC, NFC, you're going to Orlando between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. And I pull up the Twitter, and everybody's arguing. My entire timeline's are Stroud got robbed. He should have made it over Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Tua. Should he have? Uh, Derek Stingley's better than Sauce Gardner. Why isn't uh, Will Anderson there? Laramie Tunsil's the only left tackle. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what are we doing right now on the Twitter? And you see some terrible debates and arguments and all of these things. And I, I have an epiphany. I had an epiphany moment. I literally do not care about the Pro Bowl at all. Like, yeah, I like for the Houston Texans to have success. I care, I care way, more, way more about team success than I do individual success. I'll take team success over individual success every single time. Do I care that the left tackle for the Texans made the Pro Bowl? No, I don't at all. Do I care that Stroud was snubbed, although I don't think he was snubbed? No, no, I don't. Do I care that Derek Stingley Jr. was snubbed? No, I don't. I literally do not care about the Pro Bowl. And DJ Enemy quote tweeted me, which is like an internet version of trying to dunk on somebody. Well, the players do. Cool, I wasn't talking about the players. I personally do not care about the Pro Bowl. Why do you care about the Pro Bowl. 713-780-3776. Where do you stand on this, Blank Man? I, I, I'm done with all, most of the All-Star games. I, I mean, I used to, I, I mean, after the tie, it was even hard for baseball, but at least baseball, I somewhat enjoy it because the pitchers try and go out against the best hitters and try and, and, and set them down. Plus, the players have some fun with it, but I still think they, can, they stay somewhat competitive. Football, I was done with a long time ago because no one wants to hit anybody. It's a violent sport where no one wants to be violent on that day. They're enjoying a week-long vacation. And it really sucks. And in the NBA All-Star game, it is basically just a playground ball. Just try and make your best highlight real play. They tried to sauce it up by doing all these different rules per quarter and everything else. There's no saving that game either. They've lost all the luster. They're not very much. They're not entertaining at all. And I could do without all of them. If you just want to say, this is the this is your all-pro list, right? Because the all-pro list is the ones that's supposed to mean the most because that's basically selected by your peers mm-hmm. and I think front office staff. I'm not sure if general managers vote or not. I think that's the Pro Bowl, actually. Uh, the All-Pros, I'm pretty sure, is media-driven. The all Because it's the AP All-Pro team. Okay, I also thought there was one. The Pro Bowl has always been a vote of three. It's been the players, the fans, and, and the coaches. Yeah, the Pro Bowl is different. But the All-Pro teams, I thought were there was also at least one where the players selected them amongst their peers. Let me, and uh, that meant the most. Oh, it is the NFL players for the All-Pro. Okay, so All-Pro players all pro, always But it's not coaches or, or okay, GMs or whatever. Okay. So the NFL players vote for the All-Pro. But I'm not even talking about the game. Like, I don't even care about the game, which is right, funny that they're right. releasing these rosters for a game that doesn't exist. Uh, I'm not even talking about the game. I'm talking about, like, using the Pro Bowl as some sort of accolade thing or for some for people to get mad. Like, they're on the alternate list. Like, C.J. Stroud's the, a second alternate. He's probably going to end up there he's gonna if play. the Texans don't play in the Super Bowl. Uh, Will Anderson's a first alternate, so he's probably going to end up there. Derek Stingley's a first alternate, so he's probably going to end up there. And if you end up there, you actually claim it on your personal accolade list, which is silly. Um, all of these guys, Stroud's an alternate, Anderson's an alternate, Grenard's an alternate, Stingley's an alternate, Nico Collins is an alternate, Andrew Beck, second-best fullback. 
quarterback uh, in the AFC. But I'm sitting there, I'm just wondering to myself, why do y'all care about this? Why do y'all care that Sauce made the Pro Bowl team that for a game that doesn't exist and Derek Stingley didn't? Why do you care that Mahomes, Tua, and Lamar made this fictional game, this Pro Bowl game, and C.J. Stroud didn't? Like, there's so many other things to like be upset about or to think about as a sports fan. Like the Texans are about to play their biggest game since losing at Arrowhead Stadium in 2019 and people are getting worked up about a fictional game and who is playing and who is not at playing. I couldn't care less and I don't know why anybody does care. I think that the majority of people care. They do. I know. I know, I but I'm saying, silly. but I think the reason why they do is because they are hyper competitive about the same way people care about Mount Rushmore's and the greatest of this and the greatest of that to ever play How is this a position or that though, sport. Count as like an, uh, an accolade for a Mount Rushmore. So but I'm saying, I'm giving you a comparison as to like for the year in a microcosm, this sums up as these are your best players this year. Like these are the tops at, at every position this year. So in a fan's mind, especially if they're very, very, you know, pandemonium-like fan, psychotic fan, it really pisses them off if some of their players who they watched all year, who they thought were some of the best in the league, don't get the the recognition for being one of the, the top two or three at every position in the league. And so they go over the top. And now because they have the access with Twitter to reach people so quickly... This is why you walked into the firestorm you walked into. Yeah, last I night. know what happened, and I know that that exists. I'm saying that's ridiculous. That that is silly. Like Tyler Huntley made a Pro Bowl team. Mm-hmm. Why are we counting Pro Bowls as something that's significant? I joke around all the time. Mitch Trubisky, uh, a Pro Bowl quarterback. Why are we continue acting like these things are milestones? And I get like somebody just texted in that um, you know the players have the contract incentives. I know why it's important to the players. I'm not ignorant to the idea that these players get incentives and it's important to the players. I'm saying me on the outside because I'm not related to a player. I couldn't care less if some rich man made fifty more thousand. Sorry, I don't. I don't care if a player makes more money than they already make. Like, good for them. Like, I'll tip my cap, but I really don't care. It doesn't change my life at all. 4106, it's fictional to us, but I'm sure there are contractual incentives for the players that make it. Yeah, I know that. I don't care about how much money a rich man is going to make on top of already a huge rich salary. This stuff does not matter. If Tyler, the moment that Tyler Huntley who, how many games did he play in that? Like five four games? Four or five. Four, he played in six games. He started four. He was two and two. This was literally last year. He threw 658 yards, had two touchdowns, three interceptions, and guess what happened? He made the Pro Bowl. The moment that Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl last year is when all of these incentives for Pro Bowlers should have been crumpled up and thrown in the trash. You should only look at the All-Pro teams. The moment that Tyler Huntley got named to the Pro Bowl team is the moment that fans should have stopped caring about the Pro Bowl and who makes it. No, look, it's not, like I said, the luster's off. But from a fan's perspective, this is their way of saying in an argument in so many ways. And the one that's all over the place is is the, the whole Sauce Stingley. And to say, well, he's got two Pro Bowls. He's got two in a row. Sauce does it, and Stingley doesn't have any. And, and so that wants the, people want to win their argument. I think that's stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> like, but, give, me, give me all pros. Give me right. pro football focus grade over, and I think pro football focus grades are stupid. I would put more stock in a pro football focus grade than I do on a pro bowl team. You should, because even the players themselves, when you talk to them, say the thing that matters to them the most are, are the all pro teams, because they know that that means they have the respect across the league. They know that they know that in every other locker room, people know that they, they can play. And that's how they know that they've made it and they continue to be, you know, where they want to be in terms of a barometer of their play. So players themselves care about the all pro teams. But from the Pro Bowl perspective, everybody still hangs on to it like it's an all star team. And you know how everybody's always been about all star teams. I mean, that's that's an accolade everybody wants. And if your favorite play team on a player on your favorite team doesn't make it, you're pissed off. Yeah, that's what it, I mean. That's what it is. The fans are sensitive to their own players. Like I asked the question yesterday on Twitter, Jeremy Brenham, why do we care who made the Pro Bowl? There's not even a game. This guy in in the comments says, yeah, okay, let me tell this to my kid when he, she kicks butt and doesn't make all district. This dude in my comments is relating NFL players that he has never met in his entire life to his daughter or son making an all-district team. Talk about an amazing reach. What parent, and this guy's not a parent, that's why he said it, but what person in their wildest dreams is a parent, and there's some deadbeat parents out there, we know that, Mm -hmm. but in what world is there a parent that cares more about a Houston Texan making a Pro Bowl team over your own daughter or son's success in their endeavors? And there are. 
<laughs> but there better not be any. <laughs> I, I don't want to meet that. Yeah, person. there are red Kool Aid and and steel blue Kool Aid drinking fans all over the all over the place. There, there's bound to be some that care more about that. I mean, the easiest answer in all of that, and I know you handle your business on Twitter, but the easiest answer is all that. Well, when just the coaches vote on all district, and you know that they just award the best players for the year they put in, then it would really mean something. But if the fans are voting, and we've seen what happened in all-star games across sports in the past and stuff too, when fans stuff the ballot box, the best players are not getting the recognition. The fans' favorites are getting the, the, the recognition. Lone Ranger, so Brandon, if QB won for U of H, it's not U of H. You spell it U-H, but you pronounce it U of H, Lone Ranger. Uh, he's, I don't know what that word mean, means, but he said if he was snubbed from a Heisman vote to win it, uh, you wouldn't be upset about that. Comparing the Heisman to the Pro Bowl roster is an egregious reach. Comparing the Heisman to the MVP should be the comparison here. And yeah, I would be, if, if it was the Heisman, yeah, I would feel a certain kind of way about it. But the translation here might be like the East-West Shrine Game. Like the East-West Shrine Game, I think, is the comparison college versus the the Pro Bowl. Except you actually play the East-West Shrine Game, mm-hmm. and players in the East-West Shrine Game get, I think, coached by NFL coaches Scouted, and yep. can try to impress ahead of the draft. Like there's actually something at stake in the East-West Shrine Game. This is more like if you're District 14 all like conference is what it is. You know what this is, Some Jeremy? fictional award that nobody pays attention to. Totally different comparing the Pro Bowl to the Heisman Trophy. They're not even close you know to the same tier. To? It's this golf award that they created in the last couple of years for overall popularity. At least that from, has stakes, from year though. To year. It does have money uh, attached to it. I mean, it. you can make the case, it, I guess, the Pro Bowl does too. But at the same time, yeah, you could say, hey, look, this is for one, one 12-month period of time or one eight-month season of time. This is the guy that endeared himself the most to the fans, that still played, that was relevant, that everybody loves and still talks about. Because that's what it comes down to, because you, your reputation has stroke in this, in this conversation. And if you've done it in the past, you might have had a crappy year. Maybe you missed seven games this year. You're still going to be part of the, the end, end result voting because people love you. Why do you care if your favorite players make a Pro Bowl? That Tyrod Taylor made last year when he threw more interceptions than he threw touchdowns and he started four games. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. A busy show, Bad Take Boulevard. Uh, who had the best rookie draft class from contending playoff teams? Interesting conversation. And I'm seeing that Will Anderson trade draft day stuff starts cycling up again too I want to get to that a little bit later as well but 713-780-3776 why do you care if your favorite players make the pro bowl we're on the twitch twitch.tv slash espn 97.5 he's at pacman joel on rate on the twitter i'm at jeremy branham on twitter it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 guys if you're looking forward to the pro bowl and you need to line up all your snacks so all your friends come over and your family come over to watch that big game and, and you know that you normally have your normal spread I hope that you're still including Daisy Dips because, man, growing up as a kid in the Midwest, my mom used to make French onion dip and ranch dip all the time. And she'd make it from scratch. And she would actually put the blood, sweat, and tears into it with the sour cream and the seasoning and all the mixing and everything to get it just right. And now you take all of that out of the equation. Daisy Dips does it for you. They have French onion. They have creamy ranch. And they have it right there at the grocery store for you so you can use it with all your big game favorites. You can use it on your wings. You can use it on your chips. Get your big, thick chips and make sure you get the ones that can hold all that dip and not crumble. And you are going to be darn happy when you get your Daisy Dips out and those chips and the game is absolutely what you expected it to be. It's going to make everything better. It's a guilty pleasure you should have on every spread for every sporting event when you're in front of your television, and you should tell your friends about it too. Available at all your local grocery stores. you got to start now and get ready because all those big games are just right around the corner. Get yourself some Daisy Dips and help make those big games more enjoyable and make your day a whole lot better. ESPN 975.com on the Chase Long. On the Chase Long, on the Chase Long, on the Chase Long, all day long, on the Chase Long. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's blank on Branham. Uh, why is Joe not here today? 713-780-ESP. It is his birthday. Uh, wrong answers only. What is Joe George doing on his birthday today? Not working. 713-780-3776. 
Uh, this man says that Joe is taking down his Christmas stuff because he uh, he put it off telling his lady he would do it last week. Good recall, 1642. Thank you for listening to the show. I could see him doing that, taking a day off because he can't do it in his free time. Uh, 713-780-3776. Also, why do you care about your favorite players not making the Pro Bowl? So many people were up in arms about this yesterday. And it's like, man, it's the Pro Bowl. Like, it, it, there's not even a game anymore. And I didn't even know there, there wasn't a game until yesterday because I haven't paid attention to Pro Bowl weekend in 10 years. I don't know, roughly 10 years. 0446, you sure do sound like you care. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. I care about everybody's overreaction to the Pro Bowl that I find to be silly and ridiculous. I think that even the leagues themselves show you how much the games have fallen off by how much they try and put around the actual game to try and get people's attention. And the dunk contest and the three-point contest used to be enough, and that used to be able to carry it. And then that started to lose its luster. So then it was the celebrity game and the stupid three-player shootout game and the skills challenge, none of which is, is it works for should work for anybody's viewing pleasure in basketball. For football, then it became the catch on the big mattress and the, the, the passing accuracy on the golf carts with moving targets and all these other things. It's just, it's just glorified BS to sell sponsorships and try and keep people interested in the weekend instead of the game itself. And when the game went to flags, they should just get rid of it. Yeah, see, I, I can understand wanting to see like Alpie play against some of the best players in the NBA. Like I don't love the NBA All-Star game, but at least they're kind of playing basketball. So seeing Alpie... Like make the All Star Game and being alongside the Greek Freak and LeBron and Steph and all of these All Stars from around the league, like he's actually in that mix there and going toe to toe with them. Not, I mean, not in a super competitive way, but at least he's on that stage. Like the Pro Bowl doesn't really have a stage because there's not really a game. Same thing with like baseball. Like if first time All Star, like if Yiner Diaz made the All Star team next year, that's cool. Let's see his at bat. Let's see who he faces. Maybe he faces who's the best pitcher in the National League. Maybe. He faces the the Yamamoto from the Dodgers. Like, that would be kind of cool. Or one of the Braves. Spencer... Uh, yeah, but I think Yamamoto's got like more star power because like he's this international sure. sensation. Like, that would be a cool moment. Or Strider would be a cool moment. Like, you have a pitcher versus a batter, but... Pro Bowl? Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. And I don't get the, well, this guy was snubbed. And I've seen a lot of sensitive people, too, about the Texans. When you look at, like, the top snub list, a lot of times the Texans aren't even on the the top snub list. Because, yeah, I think Stroud's had a great year. Has he been better than Tua? Has he been better than Mahomes? Maybe. Has he been better than Lamar Jackson? No, he hasn't. Brian, where do you stand on this? Do you, uh, do you care if your players make the Pro Bowl? I, I don't care, uh, personally. I haven't cared about the Pro Bowl, uh, going as far back as when Matt Schaub was the MVP of the Pro Bowl, whatever year that was. I mean, it's been a long time since I cared. But I think this just taps into something that, and you guys have been here for a long time. I was born in Houston, lived here my whole life. You probably recognize as well with this fan base, in that this fan base, with all its teams, always feels disrespected and jumps at any opportunity it can to claim the disrespect. So I think this just taps into that natural feeling of, I don't know, being inferior to other fan bases, being talked down or looked down upon by other fan bases in the national media, that when your team isn't given the accolades you think they deserve, all those feelings come up of being a kind of a second-class sports city and that lives in the back of Houston sports fans' minds, and it, and it comes to the front when these things, sort of things come out. I think that you nailed it. I think that you nailed it. And the counter response that I would have to that is, who cares? Who I know. Cares? I, I, and I'm, I'm saying I'm not really I mean, talking we're, directly We're to not going to be able to be the psychiatrist for it. We're not going to fix it. I mean, we could tell them not to care, but it's still going to live in sure. the back of their minds. I, I, absolutely. Like, they're going to be thinking along those lines. But, like... It's the same thing. Remember how crazy the city went when James Harden wasn't getting the MVP oh, every man. year? It's the same thing. Yeah, but... See, I would I say... I know the MVP, MVP matters good. more, but... The MVP just, matters it's, more. It's a similar mindset though like this is an exhibition that really does not get played versus mm -hmm. the mvp much different conversation and people turn it around to well you know you're not feeling like somebody's saying that i'm not feeling empathy for players what empathy that they're not going to make a fifty thousand dollar roster bonus for making well, the pro bowl that i'm like i'm not rooting for great things to happen for the individual maybe i am a jerk because i really don't care a whole lot about individual success I i'm consistent with this i say this all the time like i don't want him to get hurt i don't want him to be sick i don't want him to feel sad but in terms of like 
peak, like perks and bonuses. No, I really don't care. I care about the success of the teams. I want the Texans to be successful. I don't care if the defensive end makes the Pro Bowl. I want the Houston Astros to be successful. I don't care if Kyle Tucker wins the Silver Slugger. I care if the Rockets are successful. I don't care if Jalen Green wins the most improved player of the league. See, the thing is, is that when you start comparing all these things, I like it when young players or first-timers get a chance to go and experience what it's like to be considered in that, put in that same locker room, put in that same venue, considered one of the best at your sport. But the problem that you have, too, and to your point, even about competitive, putting Alpi on the floor with those guys, well, because they're all going to be minutes whores, too, because they're, they're so about their brand and the league so wants their star names out there instead of their star players, you're not going to see the Halliburtons and the Alpi Shengoons play major minutes. You're going to see LeBron and Giannis and all those guys doing all their thing. But you want to see it when a young guy gets it for the first time, to experience it for the first time. But even then, the voting is so rigged by players and, and, and by popularity that they're not recognizing who the best players were that year. They're recon- recognizing who their favorite players are every year. Mm-hmm. It's hurt because we were so bad, and it feels like we're not getting our respect. This kind of speaks to what BMAC does. Uh, I kind of hope that they channel it into like more individual success that leads to team success. Like, I, I would also say that a lot of times these Pro Bowl recognitions, these All Pro recognitions, are a year behind. Like when when, when when a young player like Will Anderson or Derek Stingley break out, they don't get the recognition year one. It comes in year two. I without looking at Laramie Tunsil's pro uh, pro football reference page, I'm sure it was the same thing. For him, mm-hmm. it wasn't that first time he was when he was that caliber player that he got the award. I remember here locally with the Texans, Wade Smith. I believe it was 2011 was that great year they had that was ruined by Matt Schaub's uh, foot exploding with from Albert Hainsworth falling on it. Wade Smith was a Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman that year, but he didn't get the Pro Bowl recognition until the following year. It's never that first year that you play well that you get the recognition. So Stingley and Stroud and, and Will Anderson, if they play well again, they'll get it next year. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, just who cares? At the same time, who cares? Like, root for the Texans to win games. Like, root for the Rookie of the Year. Like, that's fine. Like, hey, I want Stroud to win the Rookie of the Year, too. That'd be great. Pro Bowl? Eh. 409, Josh, NFL should turn the Pro Bowl into the NFL Olympics. Legit 100-meter races, relay races, powerlifting, javelin, swimming, anything else the players would really try to win. That would be awesome. But no general no manager chance. in the league is going for that. The insurance policies no are going through the roof. That no ain't happening. What was it? It would be awesome. It would be awesome. What was it? The running happen. back like five, ten years ago that they did the the, they used sand, to do the high jump Edwards, thing. I think the sand flag football game. Yeah, that's blew who out had someone knee, tore their ACL yeah, that on was it. Done. So yeah, they're not going to do that because every general manager in the league will be holding their breath the entire time. Go, please don't care. Please the don't care. Uh, the Texans just uh, released their injury report 15 minutes ago. This is what you should care about, not who makes the Pro Bowl. Uh, Noah Brown out with a back injury. He has been ruled out already. Already. Mm. I mean, this is their. This would be their Friday. So this would be their like. This is they're traveling tomorrow. Okay. Uh, John Grenard out oh, with an ankle injury. Man. John Grenard has been ruled out by the Houston Texans. Robert Woods, Will Anderson, Andrew Beck, Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, and the left tackle for the Texans are all questionable. I would imagine questionable tag that all of those guys are going to give it a go. Uh, That John Grenard news, though, is pretty devastating. That's the one that kicks you right below the belt because that's the one that you really want because he's a guy that's an impact player that makes a difference on almost every play defensively. He's been your best defensive player. That one flat out sucks because I was hoping – that he was going to find a way, even if it was Will Anderson asking he was going to play 12 to 15 plays. Those are 12 to 15 plays that could, he could make an impact. I hate hearing that news, man. That sucks. Yeah, that's... um. Now, I think, I mean, it's still a winnable game. Like, sure. you can get by with Barnett. You can get by with Hughes. You can still... You, I mean, Grenard not playing doesn't mean you're not going to win. Obviously, you, it would help if you had John Grenard over Derek Barnett and Jerry Hughes. But this is kind of like, hey, tip your cap a little bit to Casario working the waiver wire and having a backup that's capable in a Barnett. And Jerry Hughes was a free agent acquisition a couple of years ago. But uh, no John Grenard uh, against the Colts. Uh, Houston that will have sucks. to try to win a little bit shorthanded. No Noah Brown. I think you can survive that too especially if Robert Woods plays uh, but the Texans will be shorthanded going into Indy on Saturday night so 
this Pro Bowl debate, silly, don't really care. Uh, I saw the Sauce Stingley conversation come up yesterday, and while like I don't care which of the two makes the Pro Bowl, it is a good reminder that I want to talk about next to, to not judge players after one year of football. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Great pleasure of mine to tell, here's something I do care about. I care a great deal about Gentle Ben for a variety of reasons. One, it's real, unlike the Pro Bowl game, which isn't. At the top of the list is because I believe what I say. Gentle Ben is the best, whether it's the vodka, best in the state, the gin, best in the market, or the bourbon, the double platinum winner at the prestigious Ascot Awards. Gentle Ben uses their innovative, revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest smoothest spirit you'll ever taste. Eliminates that burn. Don't labor through your drink. Enjoy it. Savor it. You can do that with Gentle Ben. You'll love what's not in it, including gluten. Yeah, there's no gluten in Gentle Ben, uh, but Gentle Ben isn't going to brag about that one, though. All spirits are naturally gluten-free. Uh, stop by Ben's Bar at the Toyota Center if you're going to a Rockets game soon, concert, whatever. Ben's Bar inside the Toyota Center. Grab you some Gentle Ben there. Head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room. A great spot to have a drink to enjoy a nice evening. Stop by your liquor store on the way home ask for it at your favorite restaurant or your favorite bar next time you go as well or if you just want to order online you can do that too if you head to gentlebin.com add the vodka add the gin add the bourbon to your cart they'll deliver it straight to your doorstep gentlebin.com to order yours today it's crafted in texas by ricky ford a&m grad by the way cheers to a new year filled with better choices gentleben highest craft softest sip ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Watch out, door. Whoa, watch out, says that bird. The killer bees. What about the murderous J's? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three J's. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the killer bees and murderous J's. He's blank. I'm Branham. Brian McDonald in for uh, Joe today, who is uh, taking the day off. It is his birthday, coincidentally. Uh, he told us, yeah, I'm taking off Thursday. I don't ask people why they're taking off, like it's none of your business. But I did find out it was his birthday, so maybe not so coincidental that he's off today. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. What is Joe doing on his off day, on his birthday? Wrong answers only. Uh, this guy says Joe is contacting a lawyer about visiting Epstein Island. Can't read that on the air, 1317. What are you thinking sending that in? Uh, Honey Glaze Branham. Joe's trying out for the all-Smurf football team. He's trying to make linebacker, but even the Smurfs thinks he's too short. That's me, Honey Glaze Branham. We'll bring that back up again Friday to conclude our show. Well, credit for listening because he remembered that Joe played linebacker in high school. Yeah, he, I mean, Honey Glaze Branham, he's P1. He's, yeah. uh, wrong answers only. Why is Joe not here today? 713-780-ESPN. This uh, fell on the Twitch 5912. John Weeks got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Now, that is a conversation we can get around. That is a conversation that I'm willing to have. Absolutely, John Weeks got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. The greatest long snapper in NFL history. Once he retires, if he's not placed in the ring of honor, uh, Hannah and Cal should sell the team. Okay. <laughs> Why does it matter so much more for him? I mean, obviously, I'm kidding. I know. Uh, well, I mean, can we not continue the conversation ESPN. by me asking you? Because of the fact that I know that there, you've had in the past, you have a, 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 a very positive approach to John Weeks. I love John Weeks. John right. Weeks is awesome. Uh, he's about Joe's size. Colonel McClain loves John the NFL. Weeks, too. Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, I... Now, the Pro Bowl conversation, whatever. Saw Stingley is a conversation that comes up all the time. I saw people comparing them. You know, Stingley has the interceptions. Uh, Sauce probably has the pro football focus score. Didn't look. But, like, there's this notion that Sauce gets thrown at or thrown at to less than Stingley. I saw some people putting out some information overnight that that's not really the case. It's pretty even. Uh, I think both are really good. I think Sauce Gardner, really good. I think Derek Stingley, really good. Uh, Alex on Twitter, at H-Town Critic, who... We probably don't know the Twitter handle, but we know the face if you spend any time on Twitter. He's that dude that has all those like crazy hypothetical questions that usually trigger fans. Uh, he's got a knack for doing that because he's building impressions. Kind of tip my cap to that. He had one out yesterday. Sauce Gardner has now made two Pro Bowls and has been named first-team All-Pro. Uh, Derek Stingley's made zero Pro Bowls and has not been named to any All-Pro teams. Did Nick Casario make the wrong decision or is the best yet to come for Stingley? Not really interested in that question, although I think it is a fair question. The point here and the takeaway here from like a sauce stingly debate now versus 365 days ago, 
everybody in this city was already making a declaration on who was the better player, right? Stingley, oh, Casario's an idiot. He screwed up. He's stupid. He shouldn't be the general manager. He should be fired because he blew the corner pick by drafting Derek Stingley over Sauce Gardner. Fast forward 365 days. How do you feel about that now? Yeah, look, I think that once we saw Stingley on the field in a system that was better suited for him, uh, and if he, it, when he's healthy, we know that he can play. I think going back to draft day, I know I said for sure that if you have two guys the, and they're, they're equally evaluated throughout the process, the sounder decision to me was going with a guy that doesn't have a resume full of any kind of health issues. Take the guy that's healthier, especially a foot injury, because of the fact that you play a position that your feet are so important in. But other than that, you just hoped after that in the conversations that we had subsequently that, hey, you hope when Stingley's healthy, especially with the coaching staff and a defensive scheme that better fits him, that he turns into the player that Nick Casario saw and thought he was going to be. So far, he looks like he is he's turning into that player. That doesn't slap Sauce Gardner any down a notch. That doesn't say that either one of them right now is better than the other. Last year, there's no doubt because he played more and then those accolades came with him. Sauce Gardner was a better player. Now, this year... Obviously on a bad team, Sauce Gardner still is guarding the best receivers. He doesn't have any picks, but he I'm sure defensive coordinators don't want to throw his way a whole lot. So you look at it and say the, the better story here is Stingley is proving to everybody why he was taken where he was by the Texans. Yeah, to me, it's not really it's not a conversation that I want to have on like which one's the better player. I think they're pretty equal. I think that they're pretty comparable. Uh, Sauce had a much better rookie year. I think year two, it's it's very very tight. Uh, the numbers would would favor Stingley because he has the interceptions. Uh, a lot of the opinions would favor Sauce because he had the better rookie year. Pro Football Focus, if you believe in that, I don't always. They would they would say pro, they would say Derek uh, that Sauce Gardner has had the better year. So numbers this Stingley year? maybe computers to Sauce. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 86.7 for Sauce, 80.6 for Derek Stingley. Somewhere Lamont's rolling over in his grave. Now, the point to the takeaway, look, Sauce still might be better than Stingley. Like, like if somebody told me right now, Sauce is still better than Stingley, I'd be like, eh, I, I don't really have an argument against that. Uh, you could very well be right. I think that they're comparable, but I'm not going to sit here and argue that Stingley's better than Sauce Gardner because I think they're about the same. And Sauce had, has had two good years, whereas Stingley's had one good year. I think Sauce's resume is better than Stingley's resume, if we're being completely honest. The takeaway is, though, stop closing the book on rookies after one year. And this works both ways. Like, it works from having a really good rookie season. Sometimes the rookie season's the best season a player's going to have. We bring up Javon Curse whenever we have this conversation. Javon Curse was a beast as a rookie, had a career high in sacks as a rookie. Robert Griffin's a different story because he kind of got hurt. VY was really good as a rookie. I wouldn't. I don't think that was his best year, though. VY really came on and and took the league by storm his rookie year, and then he kind of felt he started falling off, and then in a short time he was... He was basically, yeah. and he got into it with Fisher too. But I mean, that was his downfall. His rookie year was, I, I think it was his best year. Maybe it wasn't, but shortly after that, he fell off the planet. It's his rookie year might be a little overrated. He was, he was the now his career wasn't great. He was the rookie of the year, mm-hmm. but he had more interceptions than he did touchdowns. And his entire career, like his second year. He threw for more yards, but he threw for less touchdowns and more interceptions. He got benched in his third year. His fourth year. Mm, not very good. That was about uh, ten it. touchdowns, seven interceptions, and then kind of got benched again. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a very good career. No, <laughs> but I remember that year, that he won. The Texans made a mistake, and he came here and he won, and everybody was. I don't pumping think his rookie year was that good, though. Like I know he won Offensive Rookie of the Year, but whenever you throw more interceptions than touchdowns, like that, a big rushing year. Probably he probably had some numbers yeah. on the ground. Yeah, I mean that probably influenced it as well. But seven he, touchdowns on the ground. He was the, he was a popular he, he, his. his Stock was rising from a popularity standpoint. He was ooing and eyeing the sports center type plays as well, but then he fell off the planet. Yeah, the, to, to me, whenever I listen to Sauce Stingley, like I'll listen to the, the Texans fans that, well, well, Stingley's better than Sauce. Okay, yeah, like that's cool. Like he's got he's got all the interceptions, he's got the picks. Like I can listen to that. You, I listen to the Sauce Gardner side of it. He's he's great cover guy. Uh, they don't throw to him as much. Numbers wouldn't really suggest that. Uh, but he he's always you know, he blankets these receivers. Longer. He, you know, the pass breakups are good. Uh, he has the respect because he did have the rookie year. Like uh, to me, it's a it's a Half a dozen one way, six or the six the other. Uh six six seven zero, so there's hope for Kenyon Green, Branham. 
Yeah, I'm not ready to close the book on Kenyon Green. Now, do I think it's a long shot that Kenyon Green's going to add like really good, tangible production to the Houston Texans? Yeah, I think it's a major long shot. But am I completely closing the book on Kenyon Green being a starting left guard, or, uh, left guard for the Houston Texans before he leaves, before he leaves as a free agent, before he's cut? No, I'm not. I still think it's possible. It's more than possible. It can be plausible. It, right? It's not the. It's not the norm. But sometimes guys need a swift kick and a wake-up call. And they come in, and they're so highly regarded, and they're a first-round pick, and they said, this is going to be easy, and I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. And then the reality is that you're playing against grown-ass men that are getting a check now, too, and and, and they're going to be better than you. And if they are, you better work your tail off to, to, to figure out how you can be better. We see so many guys that get cut or struggle or in the wrong system for the first couple years of their career, and then all of a sudden either something clicks with them and or something clicks with the right system and coaching staff, and you see breakout seasons. I mean, Cashman's a guy that bounced around the league. Cashman's having a breakout season this year for the Texans. It's not like all pro or anything like that, but he's, he's raised a lot of eyebrows because I don't think a lot of people, when they brought him in, thought he had that in him. So different guys find it at different times, and they take it to different levels. You hope this is a wake-up call for a guy like Kenyon Green because it's been a massive disappointment. One three one seven. Brian Cushing sucked after his rookie year. Wonder why. Yeah, but he's really good at coaching uh Select ball? baseball now. He coaches select. He coaches baseball and football. Uh, does he coach? Yeah, ball? he coaches his kids' football team. They had video all over the internet a couple weeks ago of his, the kids' championship highlights. What are you doing looking at that? I'm somehow in my news feed. It popped up that look at Brian Cushing's kids play football. Hmm. Uh, Sixty thirty okay. can close the book on the Astros. The dynasty's over. Thanks, Crane. I would disagree with that. One four one six. Vince Young was always about his win loss records. Yeah, cool. So was uh, so was Tim Tebow. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Don't close the book on rookies after a good year, after a bad year. The conversation today much different in the saw stingly argument than it was. People were ready to fire. They were ready to fire Nick Casario for drafting Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley. You fast forward three hundred and sixty five days, all of a sudden it's oh, don't you feel Sauce that- Stingley's being snubbed over Sauce? But don't you also feel like that he it, that was one of those lumped in drafts too where. They coupled Stingley with how bad Kenyon so. Green's been. I think, well, to, for the firing Nick Casario commentary. I mean, sure. Like, those things were coupled together. Yeah. But we've had conversations that were flat out, Stingley was the wrong pick sure. over yep. Sauce. Yep. Like, in a vacuum within itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Is it Cuzzo or Cuzo? What do we call him? Who? We call him Cuzo or Cuzzo? Cuzzo. Cuzzo. Cuzzo says JG's at Lids covering his shift for the New Year drop hats. Joe likes his hats. He He likes his hats from Lids. Uh, Joe is off today. It is also his birthday. Probably coincidental. I don't know. But what is Joe doing on his day off slash birthday? Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. Another conversation that I've seen going on is this Will Anderson trade convo. That is resurfaced. That is resurfaced after what was a very good game. Two sacks in in 12 snaps. He's had a really good rookie season. Uh, I want to discuss that on the other side. I've seen media members that are subtweet dunking coming off a really good game. 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97. Five and ESPN 92.5. Guys, right now I want to tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograft procedure, but right now for the new year and a new you, he's trying to make something a little easier for you to do, and that's you can get the Neograft procedure at $3.50 a follicle. It's a substantially reduced price. He's, he's even told me on a couple of different occasions, look, I'm not trying to break the bank and make money here. I'm trying to get Houstonians to realize I can get their hair back. This thing, this process really works. And they are going to love it. He does a ton of other plastic surgery he has, and spa treatments, Botox, all that other stuff, too. So he's got plenty of ways to make money. But this is one where he th- just thinks it could be a game changer for all you out there, especially guys that are losing your hair. Check it out right now. Go to 975hair.com and check out all the information on it. Maybe sign up for your first appointment because it costs you absolutely nothing. It normally costs 150 bucks, but because you're listening to us, you get to meet with him and his staff for absolutely free. No obligation, no signing on the dotted line, just you getting information, asking questions, and getting answers about the Neograph procedure. Figure out the stuff like he told me. He takes the hair from the sides and the back of your head where you're never going to lose it genetically. And he puts it where you need it most. Some people need it in front. Some people need it, need it on top and the back. Wherever you need it, he can put it there, and you can see a difference almost immediately. In six to nine months, you'll see all the results, but you are going to love it, and you are going to love your appearance appearance yet again. Check him out and tell him I sent you by because I could not be happier with the procedure that I went through. You can do it, too. Go to 975hair.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, right where you belong. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank.
Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Chaz says uh, Joe is not here today because he won the lottery and is talking to his lawyer and getting a financial advisor before he quits. That's interesting. I wonder what I would do if I... I don't know what the lotto's up to. Do you know, Brian? Do you know, Joel? The mega was in the $600 million That's a lot of money. And they didn't have a winner? That's insane. Uh, I'm a big best ball fantasy player. They just crowned the best ball mania champion an underdog, which is like $4 million, Ooh. which is a lot. I was listening to a podcast of him. Uh, he, uh, I was listening to the winner of it today, and he's like, yeah, I, I, uh, he was a truck driver. And he said that the like that day, as soon as he won, he called his boss like I'm, I'm resigning, like I'm I'm done. So I wonder if you win the lotto, if you would even like pretend you're taking days off, like you just be, hey, I'm not going to work here anymore. I just want you to know that I'm no longer going to be working here ever again. Uh, to me, I, I wouldn't do anything like knee jerk immediately. Uh, I, I'm always like the uh, a very lack of trust person. I'm going to wait till it's in my account. I'm going to wait till we have a conversation as a family. I'm going to think about things because I actually enjoy working um, and then figure out like short term and long term a game plan. I'm not going to just do it spur of the moment, but I'm going to be damn excited and a, and care a whole lot less about like the deadlines and things like that. What deadlines you got? You know, you like what time do you have to be <laughs> at work? What time do you have to get the kids to school? What time do you got to do this? What time do you got to do that? Sometimes those things can be a lot less important, except for the kids going to school. I was about to say your kids going to drop out. I would, I would take all my days off. Like, there's no way I'm going to go work after I've won millions of dollars. No chance. Okay. What would you do, Brian? Would you come to work that day? Uh, I would. I like Joel. I would wait till I took the trip out to Austin, like made everything official and everything was in the bank account. But after that, yeah, I'm not coming in anymore. So you would still come in prior to that? Yeah, I would. I just make every sure, make sure everything's official. Make sure there's no sort of errors, some (laughs) some weird reason I'm not eligible. Just make sure everything's in the bank account, and then I'm gone. The ticket fraudulent? Yeah, just you never know. Trusting it till it's actually in my account. Oh, three, three, one, one. The birthday boy's at home on his couch, wearing his Britney Spears headset, playing video games while his wife potty trains their kid. That's not probably not terribly inaccurate, especially close. on the birthday. Yeah, I mean, the only thing wrong there is it's probably Christina instead of Britney. He's more of a Christina. Yeah, he's guy. more of a Christina guy. I could see Bears that. tank top, probably Bulls shorts. One three seven three, getting a bikini wax. That's a visual I did not want Notre to Dame see. Hat. Yeah, uh, the Will Anderson trade convo has resurfaced after a uh, really good game, and he's had a really good year. Uh, he's in the running for defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, I mean. I think he'll finish top three. I don't think he's going to win it. Uh, Jalen Carter's probably who I would bet to win it. Now, this kid from the the Rams yeah. is really good, too. But I've seen the Will Anderson trade combo resurface. This is what happens whenever a player has a good game. You kind of rewind to you know a certain period of time whenever there was some controversy or there was some question, and then you're like, see? Ha, ha, ha. Uh, I've seen this from a couple of people. I saw one from Sarge, who's filled in for, before, and Sarge does really good work. Uh, he tweeted, I will say it out loud, Texans wanted Will Anderson Jr. just as bad as he wanted to be in Houston. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year twice, the best conference in college football. The Texans, what they had to do to, to acquire the type of talent, and he brought up picks. You know, all you guys talked about picks. I saw this with DJ B enemy too. Uh, he was he quote tweeted the Texans got two cornerstones in one draft. DJ B enemy quote tweeted and said, "But picks." That's such a flaw in this argument. And look, I still think it was an overpay. In fact, that we have charts that tell you if something's an overpay or not. Now, what Nick Casario won is that he nailed his talent evaluation. He nailed his talent evaluation on Will Anderson. And Will Anderson playing really good football diminishes what you lost in terms of draft pick value. Secondly, the Houston Texans have played to a point where that pick's not going to be like catastrophic, like it was projected to be at the time of the trade. Projected, you were looking at, oh, you're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. here? So the Texans have played to a point where it's minimized the loss of value that you did give up, and that's a fact. And Will Anderson playing really, really well has shown that Casario nailed the evaluation to the point where you're like, oh, well, like I give me the really good player that is here. I don't like a couple of things here. I don't like the word picks. Like, 
because you would have gotten two players in the draft last year. Uh, Jamar, Jameer Gibbs ended up going number 12. Now, Levis went 32. You are not going to, or 33. You aren't going to draft Levis, but it was Sam Laporta that was the very next pick. Now, with the Texans have drafted them, I doubt they draft Gibbs, maybe Laporta, but it's like that is, those are real tangible things. Those aren't picks. So I hate hearing the picks thing. The other th- the comparison that I would make here is that. I think that, like, if Will Anderson, and this is a weird comp, I understand, just bear with me for a second. If Will Anderson was like a truck, a truck that you absolutely wanted to have, had to have, it was the last one on the market, and the dealership was like, it's a $40,000 truck, but because it's the last one, we're going to charge you 50000 And because the Texans want that truck so much, because they think it's so important to their, you know, production, to their franchise going forward, like, screw it, we'll do that. Yeah, absolutely, we'll pay $50,000 for a $40,000 truck, and it turns into a seventy five thousand dollar truck was it looks like will anderson is doing but it's interesting to me how the conversation resurfaces after a good game well but it's also jeremy to your to your point in in the last segment you're judging this off of one year everybody's still got to progress right they still got to continue the upward trends they got to play will anderson has to continue to play like this you know you obviously hope and you believe that he's going to do that. But when you look at it, you also have to evaluate who was picked around, like you said, the picks that you gave up. Because if you can get three bona fide starters and you already had your quarterback, regardless, you took CJ first. Yeah, best case would be Gibbs Laporta. Right. And so that's what I'm going to. Even if you say, well, the value of the running back has gone down a little bit in recent years. But the fact is, is if you get a guy, whether he turns out to be your bell cow or because you're coming off that year when Pierce was so good, you've got two stud running backs. Or you could have looked at the receivers taken in that that area as well if you were looking receiver. But you get a tight end as well. Now you're giving your offense more weapons. And you get Pro Bowl caliber, oh, Pro Bowl caliber type football players. And you get three of them or instead of one of them. Then you look at it and say, okay, well, how much value did I give up to get the one guy that I believe is giving me value on one side of the football because you could have actually taken defensive and offensive players, but you look at who was taken in that vicinity because you you needed that roster needed a lot of help and you could have had three quality players. Yeah, see, like at the time, you're you're you are thinking that you're losing out on the potential of Marvin Harrison Jr. the next year. The Texans have won too many games for that right. to be part of the conversation, which is great because now it 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 turns what looked like a, a bad tra- like a really bad trade and now it makes it pretty even because i think it's probably even ish right now if you give the texans the best case scenario and there's nothing to say that the houston texans would have drafted best case scenario i think best case scenario is probably it's probably one of the receivers but i'll go gibbs i'll go laporta and then you're looking at the what is it 17th pick right now it could change based on sunday's outcome but it's gibbs laporta 17th pick next year for will anderson that's pretty even now the way Will Anderson's played, because he's an anchor on the defensive side, because he's played in Houston his entire rookie year, I think most of our listeners would take the Will Anderson side of that conversation. But it's pretty darn even. Mm-hmm. And if the Texans didn't exceed expectations and now they're in the conversation where it's Gibbs, Laporta, Marvin Harrison Jr., now I think it probably swings things. If it's Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Malik Neighbors, now it probably swings things. But because the Texans exceeded all sorts of expectations, it's like, who cares? You got a really good player. Because Will Anderson has been a really good player, too. Like, thank goodness he wasn't Tyree Wilson, right? Because now you're talking about a huge loss, which goes back to the point in terms of value. I'll forever say that the Texans lost value there. But you don't care about losing the value because you nail the talent evaluation. You're willing to lose value because you're so good at talent evaluating that you can overcome the lost value. And quite frankly, Nick Casario's done this a lot. Like, Nick Casario is an aggressive son of gun on draft days. And a lot of times it's trading up. He used three picks to trade up for, for Nico Collins, and it didn't look like it was a very good trade for a little while. It does now. He traded up for Mexico, it does now. I believe so. He yeah. traded up for Garrett Wallow, for goodness sakes. I believe he traded up for Tank Dell. So this is kind of his MO. Like, Nick, as we learn more about Nick Casario, Nick Casario is willing to lose value in drafts based on, like, Jimmy, ja- Jimmy Johnson's draft chart, other draft charts that exist, and he doesn't care about that because he feels like he's going to win in his town evaluation. And quite frankly, I think he's right. I think Nick Casario, with the exception of Kenyon Green – has drafted really, really well. Look, I, I grew up in an era where Ron Wolf was the general manager and then Ted Thompson was the general manager of the Packers. And they believed, and, and a lot of people believed they were cheap because they really didn't go 
very over the top on free agency with the exception of like a Charles Woodson or a Reggie White. Because, and they turned out to be great. But that's because their talent evaluation skills were so good and they believed in them so much that they created like like a boatload of lifelong Packers that played both sides of the ball that they found value all over the field with. And they walked into every draft feeling like they were, no matter how you evaluated and what your draft board said, they were going to get the guys that they thought were the best fits to turn out the best players. Casario should be feeling a lot like that. But I think a lot of the reasons, too, why I was extremely skeptical the day the trade was made was because of the fact that we're coming off a year in which the, the picks that, that, that Nick Casario made were not exactly flourishing yet. So you were you had some concern, and you wanted to see how is it, because it's his first time go around at the job no matter what, and the, the first draft was half a draft. So you're looking at it, and you're going, hey, we still don't know enough to know this guy's going to nail the picks that he's getting. We understand D'Amico went to Alabama. He was a linebacker. They love this kid. Great. But after year one, Nick loved Stingley, and there was a ton of people, obviously, going back to the conversation previously about Sauce, and did he get the guy right, and he was so enamored with him and stuff like that that there were a lot of people wondering about this trade because they're like, did he, does he know enough and, and can he evaluate talent enough to get the right guy? See, I mean, and people are going to feel some kind of way about the trade, and it looks much better today, obviously, than it did on draft day. And I, I'm i fine with Like, I, I wanted Will Anderson to, too. Like, people kind of lose that whenever they hear, like, takes that I've had. I wanted Will Anderson to, too. I loved Will Anderson as the player. Uh, but the value is something that I was uncomfortable with but obviously much more comfortable now because the Texans have won the football games to all of a sudden turn what was projected to be a top three pick into you know, a pick that's going to be just inside the top 20. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, 409, Josh, I wanted Houston to pass on a quarterback last year to draft one this year. I'm more okay with the trade today than on draft day because CJ is the future. The pick won't be as high as we all thought. My opinion on college quarterbacks coming out has dropped considerably under the Penix. Uh, CJ's play is the only reason the trade will look okay. I think it's more Anderson. I think that Anderson has to look okay because you could have drafted Stroud too. If Will Anderson was Tyree Wilson, we wouldn't be like, well, at least we got CJ. You'd be like, oh, y'all screwed up not giving CJ Stroud weapons. Well, and the other thing that I remember even on draft night when when watching it is the rumors leading up to the first pick was there there was a a, a wave coming in that the 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 predict people predicting were saying that it might be that the Texans take Will Anderson Jr. and, and don't take a quarterback at all in the, the first round. Were, the odds were pointing to Stroud on draft day. I, I saw a lot leading up to the last thirty minutes before the draft actually went off, and at Schefter or someone else was reporting that the reports were coming in that there's a chance the Texans pass on a quarterback. No, take Stroud's, Stroud's odds went from like plus I'm not talking about Vegas odds. I was watching the draft. You and said such, odds. I'm saying that guys were reporting that there was a wave of rumors coming out there that it looked like that there was the, the Texans could pass on a quarterback altogether. It's easy now in retrospect to look back and say they nailed it. They got Stroud. They knew they wanted him all along. That was the guy that they were after. We also heard that Hannah and Cal got involved and said, you're taking a quarterback. In re- revisionist history is awesome because now you can say you got your franchise quarterback. What are you, stupid for saying that you were questioning the move that was made and, and giving up what you gave up to get Will Anderson? It was it was tougher on draft night to look at that and say that was the right move for the Texans because they were, looked like they were so depleted on talent with their roster and they had so many picks to burn to get quality players. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Rockets are beating teams that they should, and that's how you hang around in the playoff race. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pump it up. Come on, Digna. It's too small for the both of us. No, it isn't. Jump on, man. I'll give you a pump. 